Chapter Twenty Nine of Making Fate by Pansy. The Slibrivox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Nine. Everything has happened. What spell came over Ralph Bramlett to cause him to make so strange a blot as this upon his life? Do you ask? Oh, who shall undertake to account for the doings of that young man? Yet, after all, it is in keeping with his general character what was he but a creature at the mercy of every passing impulse a creature of fate as he persistently phrased it never being able to understand that he made his own fate was constantly making it out of materials which would have lent themselves as well to quite another style of manufacture he had by no means gone to the schuyler farm with the intention of rushing like a madman into temptation it will be remembered perhaps that it was not his nature to act upon long-planned intentions once there he had given himself up to the intoxication of marjorie's presence he had followed her from room to room feasting his eyes upon her face listening to the sound of her voice getting so far as was possible every word that she uttered using every means in his power to bring the spell of her old influence to bear upon him to its utmost until he was wrought up to such a pitch of excitement that for the time being he completely lost control of himself of course he was one who never having trained himself to self-control found this an easy matter the longer he looked at marjorie and the more he listened to her words the more hateful seemed the fate which he believed without any volition on his part had woven her meshes around him he could not help speaking irritably to estelle douglas almost savagely indeed more than once when there were not listeners perhaps as has been seen when there were in a certain sense she represented that baleful fate which had ruined his life why had she been always at hand when for any reason he was especially annoyed about marjorie nay he realized and for one of his temperament it was an infinite pity that there was a degree of truth in it that she had done what she could to prejudice him against his friend and to make him feel that she had changed in her feelings toward him it will perhaps have to be confessed that creature of impulse though he was and acting upon it all the while there had been through all the later months of his life an undertone feeling that the present condition of things was not to last this was not real life it was simply a play in which the emotions were engaged and he was a principal character he was engaged to be married to estelle douglas he had quarrelled with marjorie but somehow before it should be forever too late some one or some thing should interpose and set all these crooked relations right again fate could not be so cruel as to take marjorie away from him entirely of course she belonged to him why they had known it from their childhood everybody knew it none better than estelle douglas all this was not deliberate conviction it was undertone background it was not allowed to influence his daily acts he talked with mr douglas and with estelle and with any person indeed who had a right to know of his affairs quite as though his future was mapped out plainly before him yet the subtle background of hope yes even of expectation was there all the time 
when he sought marjorie that evening on the lawn and poured out his incoherent statements and preferred his half insane charges he was not acting in accordance with any preconceived plans but simply following the impulse of the moment had he planned he knew her well enough to be sure that he was using exactly the wrong words to influence her in the way that he desired indeed almost as fast as the words were out of his mouth he regretted their utterance and as he saw marjorie walking away with mr maxwell he called himself an insane fool he was positively savage with estelle douglas on the journey home do you remember the last time we were on this road together she asked him for either by accident or design these two had not been together on that road since the dreary ride had been taken in the early morning through the november rain of course he did he told her sharply he had good reason to remember it he had been a fool then about some matters and had continued one ever since this was suggestive but ambiguous estelle did not know whether to meet it with indignation or to pass it by as unworthy of notice a remembrance of ralph's present mood decided her on the latter course it would hardly do to be indignant with a man whose own indignation had placed him beyond self-control what is the matter ralph she asked and she tried to speak soothingly something has happened you do not act like yourself are there any business matters disturbing you tell me about them please and let me help you bear them you know we ought to help each other in every way now it was an unfortunate reminder everything has happened he said and he spoke even more roughly than before you cannot help me you can only he stopped just in time having almost said in his folly and passion you can only hinder me he changed it to what do you suppose you could do there is no use in telling you anything about it it is my confounded fate nothing that i wanted very much ever turned out as it ought to i must have been born under an unlucky star she decided then poor girl that it was affairs connected with his present business which had so disturbed him there were days when he chafed bitterly under control resenting the right of all the snyders to order him about as if he were a puppet he told her some of his old dreams and ambitions connected with the law had probably come back to him this day some incident might have occurred to recall the hopes and dreams which he used to have of the future and which she knew he had put aside having decided to make his relations with snyder snyder and co as permanent as possible yet she could well understand that other plans which had been central with him for so long must sometimes push themselves forward in a mocking way to make him miserable was it fortunate or unfortunate that coming as near to the truth as she did she nevertheless missed it the old hopes and dreams had undoubtedly been recalled in vividness that night but they had not to do with the law estelle had missed her attendant when he and marjorie were on the lawn together but she had also missed mr maxwell and believed him to be taking a promenade with marjorie nothing had occurred to make her associate ralph's wretched humor in any way with marjorie so womanlike she did what she could to comfort him 
she could not know how could she that her very voice was irritating to him that night she had too great faith in him and in the words which he had spoken to her to believe for a moment any such thing yet despite all this it must not be understood that ralph bramlett was a hopeless hypocrite there were times when estelle douglas was able to comfort him at these times he assured himself that she was more fitted to his needs than marjorie ever could have been there were days together when he succeeded in convincing himself that everything was as it should be and that he and estelle would get along nicely together of course on such days he expected to carry out all the pledges he had made to her and planned accordingly yet there was all the time that haunting little undertone of which he was conscious whispering that perhaps some way it would all turn out differently even yet undoubtedly this is a contradiction it must have been observed by students of human nature that these seeming and indeed actual contradictions are marked features of certain temperaments ralph bramlett was fully determined to have his own way and carry out his own plans without interference from any source human or divine at the same time he was absolutely certain that he was not in the least to blame for the present condition of things that he could not have ordered his life differently had he made ever so much effort and that it was in short that mysterious imp which he had chosen to name fate who was responsible for all that concerned him he left estelle at her own door with the coldest good-night she had received from him since he had told her that she was the one chosen by him from all others and went home angry with her and with all the world he lay awake half the night going over and over again the scenes which distressed and angered him and bemoaning his miserable fate yet before morning his mood had changed he called himself a consummate fool for his part of the proceedings at the very moment when he took care to assure himself that had it not been for such and such circumstances beyond his control he never would have done as he did by daylight he said of marjorie well let her go she cares for no one but that fellow nothing is more evident she even talks like him it is just as well as it is if he hadn't goaded me on by his insufferable assumption i should never have thought of making the spectacle of myself which i did before her something for them to laugh over i suppose when it is described to him and he ground his teeth in impotent rage at the idea if i had maintained my dignity and had nothing whatever to say to her it would have been a great deal better i believe i will write her a line of explanation i can call it an apology by way of courtesy and tell her that i was disturbed yesterday about business matters and ask her to excuse the ravings of a man who did not know what he was saying no i won't i won't do anything of the kind i will just let things take their own course something may come of it after all different from what i imagine she may really not have supposed that i continued to care for her perhaps i shall even hear from her during the day or the week who knows it will be observed that no less than three times in the course of this short interview with himself he had entirely changed his view of the question 
and that he understood marjorie edmonds as little as she had him what may not be expected or feared of a man who is so reckless of his opinions upon all subjects that they can actually be swayed by the passing idle thoughts of the moment it will be readily imagined that mrs edmonds lost no time in acting upon marjorie's sudden decision she believed that it would be an excellent thing for her daughter to get away from home and its surroundings for a time at least she only very dimly imagined what might have occurred to rouse marjorie in this way but whatever it was while feeling the deepest sympathy for her daughter her prayer that night was one of thanksgiving surely it was better for marjorie to know and realize the truth and if it had been proved to her that ralph bramlett was unworthy of even her friendship the mother knew her daughter well enough to understand that she was saved before evening of the following day sundry plans for the summer had been discussed not only between themselves but with mr maxwell that gentleman urged them strongly to select his own college town as their summer resort advocating its climate and surroundings with great confidence to be sure i am not to be there myself he said which i assure you i regret it would give me great pleasure to show you around the beautiful old place and exhibit its numerous historic lions to you but i am unselfish enough to want you to enjoy it even though i cannot share the pleasure with you i know of no other spot which can boast so many of the advantages and so few of the drawbacks of a summer home miss edmonds would be simply charmed with the country about there and the views which she could sketch would be unlike any which she has in her portfolios at present over this last marjorie laughed and blushed a little she had not known that he was so familiar with her sketches from nature she had come to have a poor opinion of her work in that direction since she had seen with what a free strong hand he reproduced on paper the choice places he visited it was perhaps because she was indifferent as to where they went and also because mr maxwell could assist so materially in arranging the details for this one place that it was finally chosen we will go there for a time at least decided mrs edmonds and if we find that mr maxwell has looked upon this favorite spot through prejudiced spectacles why we can change our plans and go elsewhere we will leave ourselves untrammeled by any ideas of stability and for this one summer we'll feel as free to rove as the gypsies themselves she laughed a little as she spoke and cast a swift questioning glance at mr maxwell how much or how little did that gentleman understand of her reasons for action she could not but be grateful for the gracious and skilful way in which he aided and abetted all her plans was he thoughtful for her just as he was for all man and womankind or was he but here the mother resolutely stopped her questionings it was while ralph bramlett who was being kept very busy was wondering what would happen next and trying to decide just how he should conduct himself if he should meet marjorie as he was liable to of course on any day that estelle waylaid him one evening as he was passing the door in haste with her budget of news ralph did you know that mrs edmonds and marjorie were going away for the summer 
they are going to close their house nearly everything is in readiness it seems that mr maxwell has changed his plans and is going to start earlier than he had intended and what do you think marjorie and her mother are going with him that is they are going to his old home to spend the summer i wonder they do not go abroad with him marjorie cannot apparently endure the thought of being entirely separated from him so she is going to his old haunts to rove around alone among them i suppose while he is away in europe enjoying himself isn't that infatuation ralph isn't it queer in marjorie it seems so unlike her some way i never thought she had much of the sentimental in her disposition when you and she were so intimate did you it is of very little consequence what i thought said ralph and i am sure it is of equally little consequence where other people spend their summers or their lives for that matter i am unable to account for your exceeding interest in the movements of the edmonds family suppose we dismiss them from our topics of conversation in the future oh well said estelle i won't talk about them if you are so particular marjorie and i have always been friends and i thought you would like to hear the news especially as you and she used to be so fond of each other that my dear is another point which i am weary of hearing harped upon can't you let past things alone she pouted a little and told him he was cross and she believed he always was when she said anything about marjorie and she didn't understand it then he said he was in haste and could not discuss even such important questions with her at present and he laughed a little and tried to pass it all off as a joke adding that he would try to call later in the evening or if business detained him certainly to-morrow evening when they would have affairs of vastly more importance to consider End of chapter twenty nine